0: I stand here today. My name is Alan, pastor of a church here in San Antonio. It's an honor and privilege to be here to preach God's word. Uh, we've had some incredible preachers, so it's an honor to stand among them. Uh, and so I will say this on the start. I'm not a subject matter expert on, but a fellow preacher. And so I'm humbled by this opportunity to preach on preaching. So I guess I should get to preaching. Not, amen? And so today, we're not going to learn how to write better sermons. If you're a pastor, preacher, you want to learn how to write a better sermon, find another guy. I'm not that guy. All right. If you're disappointed, it's you know you get what you pay for with me. And so a uh, common definition of preaching is uh, delivering a sermon or a message uh, to an assembled group. And so while it's in part true, I want to I want to talk about preaching. Uh, you can preach a, You can you can have a sermon, but that's ne- not necessarily preach. And so a biblical preaching is a declaration of God's word. It's declaring God's word. It's uh, you can deliver a sermon, but you cannot preach. It's possible. I'm not, so my time here today is not to differentiate between preaching and teaching, but I will set up this, this sermon this way and explain this, that, that teaching is explaining, preaching is declaring. Preaching is not uh, about a tone tone or about the intensity of a voice, though preachers tend to have an intense tone, likely because their message is is a declarative. They're, they're saying, this is what God's word says. So preaching uses teaching to maybe explain a text, and I'll explain some of that more later, but preaching and teaching, I want, you, I want to see these in two different categories. I know the lines can be blurry, but I'm I not here to argue really the difference between the two, but what I want us to see is that preaching is declaring what God's Word says. Not editing it, not adding to it, but declaring it as it is without compromise. And it does so with an emphasis on obedience to God. Not suggestions about contemplating what God has said, but if God has said it, then we must obey it. Therefore, preaching demands things like application. It demands change in the individual or the hearer. It demands repentance. This is why you see the prophets of old showing up preaching repentance. John the Baptist, repentance. Jesus, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Peter, the first sermon, repent. You kill Jesus. Repentance is essential in preaching. Additionally, it demands the person and work of Jesus. For there is no obedience there is no application there's no change nor true repentance without the person and work of Jesus and so let's get to it i have a word for preachers and if you're not a preacher today it's still a word for god's people because god's word is profitable in any season and we're going to preach from i'm going to preach from 1st timothy 4 chapter or chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 so if you will with me will you stand for the reading of god's word i charge you in the presence of god And of Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears and will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So reforming preaching, that's the title today. Reforming preaching starts with this big idea that that we must remember who called you. So if you're a preacher, you must remember who called you. If you're not a preacher, you must remember that the one who preaches stands as a called man. And the charge is to preach the word, It's what Paul tells Timothy. But he says, well, although the Apostle Paul is the author and writer of the book of uh, Timothy, did I say 1 Timothy? I meant 2 Timothy. I don't know what was on the screen. I don't even know now. Here we go. Just listen up. Uh, Like I said, this is is not a case study of how to write a great sermon. And so uh, this is about preaching, and uh, Lord willing, uh, we'll, we, we can we can figure that out along the way. The, the charge is made by God through the author Paul to Timothy and he says this and is that I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead to preach the word. The charge is not coming from the Apostle Paul. It's coming from the presence of God in Christ Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead. God has called you to preach. Those who are preachers, you've been called and commissioned by the Lord Jesus Himself, who is indeed the judge of both the living and the dead. Preachers, you might have been commissioned by a mission agency, but you've actually been commissioned by the Lord Jesus. Your mission agency, or whoever has ordained you, has simply affirmed what God has called. God is the commander-in-chief. It is the Lord Jesus who has called you to preach. You must remember if we're going to reform preaching in our day, we must remember who has called you. It is Jesus. Not a church, not an agency. It's been Jesus. It's, it's under their authority and, and their, their, uh, their affirmation that you continue to move forward. But I need you to see you take your orders from Jesus. His word, His will, His ways. He is the commander of your post. And he is the judge of both the living and the dead. So you should take this opportunity when you preach to understand whose authority you're standing under. It's Jesus's. And it says that, that by his appearing, meaning he's come, and by his kingdom, meaning he is king, he's not going to be king. We just celebrated the season of Christmas where we, where we, where we were reminded that. The Lord Jesus was not born to be a king, but he was actually born king. This is why Herod was so upset with his birth and tried to murder him and murdered all these other children as well. Because Jesus was born king, not born to be a king. He has appeared. He has come. He is king. Therefore, he has a kingdom. The king, it says this commission is by Christ appearing, his presence, and his kingdom. He has a kingdom. And his kingdom has come. And this is why we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so a preacher, your calling is is to man the post. To usher in the kingdom of heaven through preaching God's word. Your authority and your commission is, is done so under the leadership and the banner and the commissioning of Jesus, your king. So you're just simply a herald on the watchtower declaring good news. Good news that sets captives free. You're not offering suggestions. If you're a preacher, you're not suggesting things. You're not consulting critics. You're charged to preach. So Today, men of God, preachers of God's word, remember who called you. Remember that you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. But because of Christ, He has made you alive. He has saved you. He has adopted you. He has now commissioned you to continue to carry that good news. Through the preaching of His Word. Next, we must remember our calling. We remember our calling. That's the charge that Paul gives Timothy. It's the charge to preach the Word. To preach the Word. That's the charge. We remember who called us the Lord Jesus and what has he called us to do as preachers to preach the word. Not preach your opinion, not preacher, preach the philosophy of the day, but preach the word, the word of God, the Bible. It's written, it's bound, it's in your hands, it's on the screens. It's, if you want the old school scroll, you know, download the app, you got it. It's the word of God. It's living, it's active. It's sharp. It cuts through the cultural noise of our day. In order to preach it, if you're a preacher, you must know it. You must know it. Any soldier going into battle must be well acquainted with his weapon. So too, you preacher, must be well trained in yours. And I hear it, pastors, I hear it all the time. Pastors and preachers, and, it, and there's a few things that infuriate me. Actually, many things probably, but this one is one of them. Pastors and preachers who don't like to study. They're like, I don't like studying God's word. I, don't like, I, like to, I love to preach. I'm really good at preaching, so just put me up there and I'll preach. I just really don't like the study. I don't like the prayer closet. I, I just want to preach. You know what they are? They're adolescent boys who have the, want the appearance of power but will never have any prophetic power from God's word. That's what that is. And our nation is full of them. So-called preachers peddling around philosophies because they don't know their weapon. They're dangerous. They should be silenced, cut off, stopped. And some will say, you know, I thought study was for the theologians and professors. You better write. It is. But it's also for the Preacher. I've never met, and I ha- in our church we have several of them, uh, 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 snipers. Uh, I've never met a sniper who would allow the enemy to know more about his weapon than them. Preachers, your enemy knows God's word. He's been trained in it. Satan himself used God's word to take shots at the Lord Jesus. Our enemy has commissioned also legions of demons to accuse Christians, the saints, night and day, we're told in Revelation. Oftentimes, by doing the same tactic he did with the Lord Jesus, by twisting God's word. Preachers who do not study, who do not conti- who are not continually being formed by God's word, his will and ways are setting a snare, a trap for themselves. Next, we're told that preachers... Must be ready to preach in season and out of season. Preaching isn't just a Sunday gig. And also, hear me this this is also not a call to have a sermon in your back pocket at all times, despite what you may have been told. That's not what, it's, that's not what, we're, that's not what it means, be ready to just pull out a sermon. It's a call for the preacher to be ready to wield. His sword, His weapon, the Word of God, and fulfill His duties. You know where this comes from? This comes from delight in Christ, His Savior, His King. He's connected to the source. He's connected to the One who's called Him. He's connected to the source of power, who is the Holy Spirit. He is, he is the One who readies us. His Spirit is the One who empowers us. If you have a sermon in your back pocket, praise be to God. But that, to be ready to wield the sword is to not just have a pre-written sermon. Power in preaching does not come from well-crafted sermons. But it comes through the presence and power of God. So the preacher must know his weapon, the Bible. He must know God's word. And anyone who knows God's word would see that it's plain that the chief end of knowing God is enjoying Him. The preacher who does not enjoy Jesus preaches of a salvation and a Savior he does not know. Psalm 19 tells us that God, His Word, His will, His ways, they're they're to be desired more than gold or even fine gold, that they're sweeter than honey to be delighted in above all things. So the preacher being ready in season and out of season has far less to do with sermon preparation and more to do with satisfaction in Christ, in Christ alone. That's where the power is. All right, so in preaching God's word, following, doing what we are called to do, what is that preaching to do? he says that it is to reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching so reprove what is that per- forgive me uh, but this is a lot of people don't know what a reproof is it's sayings like this don't be an idiot like that's a reproof you're like man I, that sounds harsh well you know don't be one you know don't be a fool You know, there you go. Uh, A a rebuke is uh, harsh as well, but it's saying you are wrong, therefore you must change. The reproof is like, hey, here's a warning. Don't be like that guy. And uh, we'll mock him. We'll mock you too if you keep doing that. But a rebuke is, hey, you are absolutely wrong. You must change here. Preaching does both. So sometimes people get offended. You're like, man, can you, can you you do that? Yep, reproof. That's what that is. Additionally, it's to exhort, to encourage obedience to Jesus. That's what it is. But I want you to see that that that's what the preacher is called to do. That's what the sermon is called to do. And so your preaching must be, as the text says, accompanied by teaching. So we're not against teaching. Preachers, we love teaching. Uh, You you must be good at teaching. but, But preaching is accompanied by teaching and patience, he says. Patience. So preachers must be able to teach. And this is where you see Jesus, he taught. What did did the scribes and Pharisees? What did the people around him say he taught like? He taught like one who had authority. He wasn't just teaching philosophy. He was explaining things and saying, like, you got to do these things. He had authority. So when you're preaching reproves or when you're preaching rebukes, I want you to see this. It must be accompanied by patience. And when you exhort someone, your preaching must also be accompanied with patience. Additionally, teaching, our our, our rebuking and our reproof must be accompanied by both patience and teaching or explanation. So like when you rebuke someone and you reprove someone, you explain why you did that, why the Word of God says this. You give explanation so that they have understanding and so they can gain a heart of wisdom and they can worship the God of the Bible. So we love teaching, we love to teach, but in a way that that, that, leads a, that, it, that it enhances the preaching, that pushes towards obedience to Christ. The same is true when you're, you're encouraging someone, you're exhorting someone to, to obey the Lord Jesus, to obey God's word well and ways. You've got to explain why. That's the teaching behind it. That's why he says to be accompanied with it. He says to be patient. Why? Here's why. Because you ever met someone? Ever met another human? And you asked them to do something, they didn't do it? Psh, gotta be patient. See, we sheep, we we we're not quick to obey God's word. Patience is required of the preacher. Also, sin is crouching ready to devour the hearer, the very moment that it's preached, right when they walk out the door. Now, tomorrow, the next day. Sin is real. Our hearts are prone to wonder. We continually need the mercy and grace of Jesus. So we need great patience with ourselves. We need great patience with those whom we shepherd. So our preaching, yes, is authoritative and it's declaring this is what the word of God says and therefore must be accompanied with explanation or teaching so that people can understand it and you can help them obey. And then you need to be patient when they don't. And so patience is required of the preacher. And if you are going to preach God's word all the days God has assigned you as a preacher, you must be a patient man and an effective teacher. And so here's why it matters. Why does it matter? Why does does preaching matter over teaching? Verse three, for there's a time coming when, when people will not endure sound teaching. There's a time coming, the time is here, but there's a, they, they, what will they not endure? Sound teaching. It's not that there's not teaching. There's teaching. Sound teaching. Good teaching. And, and, and we should have sound, good, faithful Bible teaching. But there's a time coming when people won't endure it. So what is, what is the message? Because they're not going to endure sound teaching, what must you do? You must preach the Word. They don't want to have anything to do with sound teaching. They want to having their ears, itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wonder into myths. People won't endure sound teaching. They're gonna go follow heretics and nut jobs and and the next bestseller, and whatever they find on TikTok, and whatever, whatever is their algorithms, as we just heard, <laughs> wanting them to believe. Compromising teachers, it says. It's already happened in our day. and I believe we are in the middle, and at least in America, of a mass generational apostasy. And imagine uh, if, if anyone wants to follow suit they're gonna, uh, of America, they're going to follow their way off the cliff as well. Yes, God's preserving for himself a remnant. Yes, he's preserving uh, his people. Yes, he's still, salvation is still coming to our city, your city, wherever you are, live, work, and play in the nations and beyond the world. But there are people who will not endure sound teaching. But rather, they're going to find people who wanna, uh, who, who, who itch, they have itching ears, so they will accumulate for themselves other teachers to fit their own passions. See, I need you to see this here. Sound teaching, and I love sound. We are sound Bible teachers. Hear, me, hear this. Sound teaching will not compete with false teaching unless we preach God's word in addition to teaching soundly. And so this is why the seeker-sensitive movement was so impactful in our country and so popular. Many preachers stopped preaching and everyone went to teaching. And it was just a teacher here, a teacher there, and even the language you start to hear, and I'm a Bible teacher. And you had sound Bible teachers and false Bible teachers, but we had no preachers. And you wonder why the itching ears would accumulate for themselves other teachers, false teachers. See, oftentimes we think that it's just if you have sound teaching and false teaching, sound teaching is going to win out because that's logical. Well, we're not dealing with logic here. Welcome to America. That's not what we do anymore. We don't deal with logic. We need a demonstration of the spirit and power. That's what Paul tells the Corinthians. The Corinthians were crazy like us. They needed the cross of Christ, Jesus crucified, nothing else, the power of God for salvation for sinners. That's what they need. That's what we need. That's what the world needs. And so you may have sound doctrine, but you might not be preaching. And so people have wandered off. They've forsaken God's word, will, and ways. And this is the command that Jesus gives here. Preach the word. Why? Because people aren't enduring your sound teaching anymore. He's not saying forsake sound teaching. Don't hear me say that. We, I'm a firm believer in solid, firm Bible teaching. Sound teaching. We are, we are for that. But, but he, it's interesting that he's saying preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Why? Because people are not listening to the sound teaching. So you got to get above the cultural noise and preach God's word with power and authority because you're a man who's lit on fire in the presence of God. And God has birthed in you a desire to communicate His word, His truth. And so you do so declaratively. And it offends people. It pierces them. It pierces them. And so, the prophetic power from the presence of God is ushered in to the people of God, to the preaching of God's word. What it does is it pierces hearts. It it, it overcomes the itching ears. People are are hell-bent on their own destruction, and it's it's a heralding like a parent would their child who's running out into the road and about to be hit by an 18-wheeler. They don't say, hey, honey, let's talk about this. Let me suggest some wisdom here. Car, you, hit, die. Let's have a conversation. Let's sit around and discuss this. Hey, I have a proposition for you. No, they say stop. Or they go and grab their shirt, yank them back. Whiplash from the neck. No apology. No, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. You almost got hit by the car. I cared about your life. So instead of offering suggestions, I declare to you what is true and inevitable incoming coming and impending. And he who has ears, they hear. I've seen it before. People are like, why did you just yell? I can just yell, well, my son turned back around when I did that. You see that? He was going that way. He came back. Y'all are all talking, all the kids are playing, it's really loud, you gotta raise your voice, cut through the noise, speak the truth, they hear it, because what, what we're told, Jesus tells us that the sheep hear his voice, they, you hear it, you turn back. That's what repentance is, turning back. So we must preach repentance. False teachers don't have the spirit and power of God. But preaching does. And so, additionally, preaching must also address the cultural idols of our day. It must speak to the heart of individuals convicting individuals of sin. It must be more like the prophets of old calling men and women to repentance and pleading with them to look upon Jesus and live. Some of you will hear that, you know, that's just how people get saved. No, that's for the elderly saints as well who've been Christians longer than I've been preaching. Look upon Jesus and have life in His Word, His will, His ways. In the, That is, the, this is the path of life. In His presence, like the psalmist says, is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Any of you, you've you've reached it? You have pleasure forevermore apart from Christ? No, our hearts are prone to go seeking after other pleasures. Preaching reorients ourselves, remind us that we are sinners, often led astray. It's the heralding telling the ears to turn around and come back to Christ. Preachers, quote from the great Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, He says this, and this take, I think I said this quote last year. I'm gonna say it again. Always preach in such a way that if people listening do not come to hate their sin, they will instead hate you. Be okay with that. Resolve that that's your job, and that will happen. Preaching pierces hearts, it smashes idols, it sets hearts ablaze you're wondering, are you preaching? Let me ask, are those things happening? That's how you know. Are people being convicted of sin, turning from their sin, trusting in Jesus again and again? Are the idols of the culture, your heart and the hearts of your hearers being smashed? Are hearts being set ablaze in in faith and obedience and trust and hope in Jesus? See, the Holy Spirit flies in tandem with God's word. When you deviate from God's word, you deviate from the power. Of the Spirit. An example is uh, if God's Word demands change and you suggest change, you've deviated from the intent of the message. If it demands change, stop suggesting change, declare it, demand it, expect it, and watch the Spirit fly in tandem with it, and people get saved, lives get changed, hearts that were hard, get soft. This is what you see with, the, with Peter in the first sermon he preached. He showed up to the Jews and said, repent. You killed Jesus. They're like, yeah, we'll kill you too. He's like, yeah, you're right, you might. So preaching God's word demands faith, repentance, brothers. It doesn't offer suggestions, but reiterates what God commands. See, when Jesus told the demons to flee, He demanded them to. We looked at Lazarus and said, rise. He didn't suggest that. If you're not, Jesus commands. We must proclaim, not edit. Declare God's word. And if you're not a preacher, but you're a Christian who sits under the preached word, that should be all of us. When God uses his servant to break your hard heart, to smash your idols, to bring conviction to you, in that day, rejoice, rejoice. God is refining you. God loves you. God is cleansing you. God is leading you in kindness to repentance. I know it may not sound fun at first, neither does it sound fun when the kid is running into the road because they think running into the road is a lot of fun. Chasing that ball into the road is a lot of fun. What what they want to do is a lot of fun. It is fun. It is fun. So sometimes the preached word comes at like a rebuke or like a, 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 a father grabbing the neck of the shirt of his son, pulling him back from the road and giving him a little whiplash and he doesn't feel comfortable. In those moments, rejoice and be glad that God loves you and has spoken to you through his servant, through the word, by the power of his spirit to your heart. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to lead you. He loves you in that moment. See it as such. Rejoice in that day and be glad. You should, you should be super excited about that. Why? Because if Jesus has died for your past, present, and future sin, that means all your sin, the, one, the sin you, you find yourself in next year, it's already been paid for. You're becoming aware of it next year through the preaching of God's word and, you're, and you feel convicted. But Jesus has the scars already. So I want to end with this. I want to highlight some areas quickly where preachers tend to struggle, that I've noticed in our day, number one, if you have uh, the the disposition towards mercy and compassion, if you're if you're and that's a lot of pastors and preachers. And praise be to God, mercy and compassion is not a, a bad thing. But if you if that is your primary, uh, if you, how you see the world through the lens of mercy and compassion, um, you're you may be tempted to compromise. Why? Because if you're not trained in God's word, you're trained to. Be compassionate according to the culture. And so my encouragement to you would be double down on learning what compassion looks like, like Christ, rather than culture. Because our culture has a definition of compassion and it's contrary to the word of God. And when you when you love people like Christ loves people, when you, when you love, when you're compassionate according to God's word and the way Jesus was, guess what? The culture won't think you are compassionate. So you're left with understanding. You're like, I want to be merciful and compassionate to people. And that's like my thing. And the world around me is telling me I'm not that. Double down on what Jesus says compassion should look like. Stay tethered and obedient to his word. Number two, if your disposition is towards being a moderate, you're like, you don't like conflict, you're, you're a, you're, pray about that and uh, ask if he'll relieve, relieve you of that, you know, because we live in a world that loves conflict, and your enemy loves conflict as well. And so if you don't like conflict, here's the reality. You're going to be, you're going to be you know, tempted to drift, to drift, to avoid the conflict. So if that's you, and you, you feel like you are uh, prone to avoiding conflict, and therefore that makes you more a cowardly when it comes to God's word, confess that to the Lord, and then also understand the disastrous effects of cowardice. Just understand that. Number three, if you have any secret sin, if if you have secret sin, what's gonna happen is you're gonna struggle with guilt and shame, and you're gonna stop preaching against sin because you you have not confessed your own. You will become tolerant of your own sin over your repentance, and so you'll become tolerant of other sin, and you won't leave people in repentance. Jesus has died for all your sin. Past, present, future. Confess your sin often, frequently, willfully, joyfully to the Lord, lest your ministry be compromised. Lastly, to those who may be more like me, who find that their disposition towards fighting, just remember the war is not against flesh and blood. You may want to. The enemy will use people, but your war is not against people. The people are captive. Their hearts, their minds have been captured, seared. And so contend for the faith, brothers. Don't get caught up in civilian affairs. Preach the word in season and out of season until Jesus returns. Stay tethered to him, his word, will and ways and fulfill the mission God has given you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here today. Those who know you, love you, and trust you, I ask that they would grow in their knowledge and and trust for you. Give them deep conviction, compassion, um, uh, resilience to contend for you where they live, work, and play. Moreover, to the preachers, Fill them with your spirit. Bless them with your words. Empower them with courage. And may we be a generation that sees revival because we have men who will stand up and preach God's word, herald the truth without compromise. We will not be editors, but proclaimers in Christ's name. Amen.